Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If I haven't already made it clear, religions are very diverse, and to view any religion as a monolithic fixed thing is highly misguided. We have talked a lot about Islam, which is primarily because my that is my field of expertise, um, and to add to the myriad of ways that Islam has manifested itself historically and today, there is a group known as the Quranists. But there seems to be a general confusion about who these Quranists are, what Quranism is referring to. So let's sort of dive into this question and explore what the term Quranism actually is. Quranism generally refers to a mostly contemporary movement in Islam that puts a huge emphasis on the text of the Quran in applying law and practice of the Islamic religion, often at the expense of the vast hadith uh, literature. In fact, this is one of the main components or characteristics of Quranism, is that they tend to be very skeptical of the hadith, sometimes and often even outright rejecting them altogether. Now, what is important to remember is that in traditional Muslim jurisprudence and, well, just Islam in general, the hadith are incredibly important. The sunnah or example of the Prophet Muhammad, which the hadith contained, is is second only to the Quran in importance in terms of text. 
to the traditional Sunni perspective, for example, the Sunnah of the Prophet is an important part of Revelation that complements the Quran in that way, and that the Quran is not the only part of Revelation. In fact, because of the vastness of the Hadith literature and the silence of the Quran on many parts of law and practice, one could arguably say that the majority of, of practice and some beliefs of the Islamic religion is based on the Hadiths. The Quranists, in a general sense, want to reverse this tradition and to use the Quran as its only source, uh, and viewing the Hadith as often problematic, and this is for a few reasons. To tell the historical account in a short way, the Prophet Muhammad recites the Quran during the last 22 years of his life before passing away in 632. The Quran was then compiled into a volume a few decades later, possibly under the rule of Uthman ibn Affan. For the first hundred years or so, the early judges and jurists used the Quran primarily as a source of law, uh, but also complemented this with personal reasoning called Rai, as well as Sunan, which is the plural of Sunnah, and was a general ideal of the community and respected people, including, of course, the Prophet Muhammad, that one would sort of take as inspiration. Hadith, as in stories about Muhammad and his companions, were probably told and spread pretty early on, but were rarely written down or compiled, and was rarely used in legal matters. But as more questions started to arise regarding practices, especially in very different cultures and places in the new sort of expanding empire, there were a group of people, often called the traditionalists, who over the course of the later 8th and into the 9th century primarily started uh, to argue for a more strict practice of Islamic law, as well as theology. They were often very opposed to Rai, the individual reasoning of the jurist or judge, and they started to favor and gather the hadith and applying it in matters of law. These questions were for a long time a point of great contention and debate, and stretched across boundaries of law and theology, one camp favoring reasoning and personal intellect, the other being more strict and bound to the textual sources. This debate was so heated that even the caliphs very famously got involved. These are generalizations, of course, and there were probably more a sort of a spectrum of opinions rather than two clear sides like that. The traditionalists are often synonymous with the name Ahl al-Hadith, or the people of Hadith, because of their emphasis on and collection of Hadith texts. For differing reasons, which is hard to get into without easily falling to subjective territory, the traditionalists would eventually gain the upper hand in the second half of the 9th century, and was very much cemented by the ideas of Imam al-Shafi, the namesake of the Shafi Law School, who formulated the classical uh, Sunni usul al-fiqh science of jurisprudence. According to this standard, law and practice is to be derived from 1. the Qur'an, 2. the Prophet's Sunnah exclusively, which is contained in the Hadith, 3. consensus or ijma, and 4. analogy, qiyas. In other words, there was no longer any room for ra'i or personal reasoning. Um, while sort of there are certain differences of opinions on details and matters here and there in terms of this uh, in the different law schools of Sunni and Shia Islam, um, generally, all the schools of law would follow these standards set by al-Shafi and the traditionalists, or the Ahl al-Hadith, and thus the Hadith came to the prominence uh, that it still has today. So to return to our main topic, the Quranists probably have their origin in the Islamic reform movements in the 19th century, often called Islamic modernism, which was uh, sort of headed by figures like Muhammad Abdu in Egypt, or uh, Ahmed Khan in India, and uh, Muhammad Iqbal later on too. And these people were usually sort of skeptical, or more skeptical at least, towards the Hadith, but one couldn't really call them Quranists exactly. 
The idea of this Islamic modernism was to reimagine the Islamic religion to adapt it to the so-called modern world through going back to the early days of the religion when, according to their opinion, rationalism was encouraged and flourished and to revive the idea of ijtihad or reinterpretation which they felt had been lost in the tradition. In a way, this is a kind of anti-tradition movement, which became very popular in the in the late 19th and 20th centuries, and has led, as I mentioned in an earlier video, has led to everything from Islamic feminism and progressivism to things like Salafism and the Islamic State, all based on this idea of going back to the original sources and the original state of the religion, uh, which of course people have interpreted very differently. Quranism also evolved out of this general attitude towards tradition. To them, the hadith aren't reliable sources of legislation because they were written down and collected often centuries after the prophet died, and was also often used as ideological tools in sort of debates that were being held theologically and, and legalistically in the early Muslim community thus making them very colored by things like bias. According to one famous Quranist, Muhammad Tawfiq Sidqi, quote, what is obligatory for man does not go beyond God's book. If anything other than the Quran had been necessary for religion, the Prophet would have commanded its registration in writing, and God would have guaranteed its preservation, end quote. They instead believe that the Quran alone is sufficient, coupled with human reasoning. The hadith are often seen as not only unreliable, but often problematic. It is in fact in the hadiths that many of the aspects of Islam that some people today consider problematic in the contemporary world come from. For example, in the Quran there is no mention of any death penalty, for example, and it's rather ambiguous when it comes to things like homosexuality or, or women's rights. But in the hadith we do find things like death penalty and stoning and, and, and things that would appear to be rather sexist, for example. And keep in mind, this is not me bashing the hadiths. There are also many things in the hadith that could be considered very beautiful. I'm just stating that the majority of law and practice in the Islamic tradition has actually come, at least in its details, has come from the Hadith. The Quranists therefore argue that the Hadith and the various traditions built upon it are often backwards or frozen in time, and to uphold a living and vibrant, breathing Islamic tradition that is adapted to the modern world, one should reject them or at least minimize their use. But while this movement in particular is a rather modern one, it does have precedence in the early Muslim community as well. There were critics and skeptics of Hadith in the, in the early days of Islam. As I mentioned, the widespread use of hadith was a later development, as most of the early judges and jurists didn't make any extended use of it really. As they became more popular, uh, there were many people who were critical and skeptical of hadith, including judges, famous theologians, and even some Abbasid caliphs. This includes caliphs like Al-Ma'mun, and famous theologians like Wasil ibn Atta, Al-Jahiz, Dirar ibn Amr, and the most extreme case perhaps, Ibrahim al-Nazam. They, much like the modern Quranists, not only view the hadith as unreliable and amounted them to guesswork, they even view them as being, quote, filled with contradictory, blasphemous, and absurd traditions. Scholars like Dirar ibn Amr were opposed to the hadith because they were used as polemical tools ideologically by the traditionalists and Ahl al-Hadith. 
So as you can see, while the hadiths eventually sort of won the day, there were many who were skeptical early on. And this is the argument of the Quranists as well. They argue that they are actually going back to the early days of the community when people valued things like personal, rational uh, inquiry and, and before the sort of dogmatic ways of the al-hadith and the hadith generally hadn't infected the Muslim religion uh, yet. The problem with this, as I mentioned, is of course that the majority of Islamic law and practice and ritual comes from the Hadith, and this includes very basic and, and central practices like daily prayers or fasting and, and all these things. So how does one tackle this problem? Well, there are multiple ways. Some just practice the way it has been practiced traditionally, using the hadiths as inspiration, praying five times a day in the same way that most Muslims do, uh, and simply just viewing the Quran as, as the main source and minimizing the role of the hadith as such. Others have modified the religious rituals as a result. For example, many Quranists only pray three times a day, as they argue that the Quran only mentions three prayers similar to the Ismailis today. In the prayer itself, they also don't do any prostrations when sitting in prayer. Instead, they go straight from a standing position to prostration and then right back to standing. The Quran are varied today as well, as I've said, but they all share the beliefs that the Quran is perfect and that the hadiths aren't needed or are problematic for use in uh, Islamic law. There are many Quranist communities and social media groups online today where people discuss the Quran and the religion from this particular perspective. As you might expect, many outspoken Quranists of the last century and today have been and are often persecuted for their beliefs by some more say, traditionally oriented Muslims. Um, the Saudi scholar Hassan Farhan al-Maliki was arrested and tried for extremism by the Saudi regime, for example. Others have had to flee or even been assassinated. It is a standpoint or perspective that seems to be growing today, however, um, and it is a, you could say, a piece in the puzzle that is Islam today, um, that it helps us understand the vast diversity and multifaceted of this uh, basically second largest religion in the world. And as I've hopefully pointed out, it is an interpretation and a perspective on Islam and its tradition that is both simultaneously very modern and very old. I'll see you next time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.